judges come running over. What are you, where are you? What are you doing? You cannot start. The chili competition has not started yet. You cannot be cooking. My dad looks at the judge and says, we ain't making no chili. We're making breakfast. You want a bear? You want a bear burrito? The judge just about passed it, but the crowd went crazy. Everybody wanted to come and try the bear meat chili. A recipe is a story that ends with a good meal. Author Pat Conroy really knew what he was talking about when he wrote that. And you know what? A story is a good jumping off point for a podcast. Hey, I'm Marty Duncan. You might know me from Food Network Star or maybe from one of my cookbooks. And now I'm hosting a podcast with all recipes where I'm talking to cooks and chefs like my friend Guy Fietti, who I am so excited to have as the first guest on the Homemade Podcast. Guy, of course, needs no introduction, but I'm going to give him one anyway. He won the second season of the Next Food Network Star and went on to host Guy's Big Bite, Diners, Drive-Ins, and Dives, Guy's Grocery Games, and more. And in 2019, Matthew McConaughey awarded Guy with a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. But he's just so much more than that. He's a restaurateur and a humanitarian. He recently started a relief fund called the Restaurant Employee Relief Fund, which is the first thing I asked him about when we connected recently on Zoom. You know, listen, when this whole pandemic started and we were getting ourselves in this situation, I was thinking like, who could I go cook for? Who can I help? How can I help? I thought, you know, I got to go cook for somebody. Well, in these rural areas of Northern California, you know, we're not major metropolitan cities. We didn't really have a need for that, like we're having in New York and LA and so forth. I was talking with my attorney, Riley. I was talking with uh, Hunter, my son. I was talking with Reed, my manager. We're all I'm like, we got to do something. Let's go buy a bunch of gift certificates. Let's go buy gift certificates, you know, keep, keep the keep the restaurants, ah, gift certificates. Let's go this, let's go that, let's go this. And it finally turned into this idea of to do it on a national level, to get money to the employees to help these restaurants was let's start a fundraising effort. And so we started, I started sending out personal video messages to the uh, presidents and CEOs, CFOs of all the major corporations that are involved in, um, uh, in the restaurant industry that have some connection one way or another. And boom, right off the bat, Pepsi came in with a million and a half. And Uber Eats came in with $2 million. TikTok, I mean, even people that didn't have a direct correlation came in with a bunch of money. And so here we are now right on the verge of $16 million. Wow. Um, yeah, $16 million in two weeks. And uh, we're giving out $500 grants. And right now we are currently processing 60,000 grants, 60,000 of these $500 grants. And, and already this is where this is staggering, is we're receiving 40 requests a second on the website. Wow. I'm not shocked. So, you know, you got tens of thousands of restaurants that are closed and you've got millions, three million, four million, five million employees without jobs. It's tough, really tough. Well, I've done three books that are around restaurants here in Alabama. And so I've visited all these restaurants over and over and over again, gotten to know the employees, gotten to know the owners, gotten to know the front of the house, the back of the house. And people don't realize how far reaching this is. Listen, guys, since you're there at the ranch and this podcast is called Homemade, what is your favorite thing to make there for the family, especially right now when you're, you're all at home together? I love to make them hungry. People always eat best when they're hungry. When I was a kid, my parents, we didn't have snacks when I was a kid in my house. It was like one bag of, you know, barely edible old tortilla chips, you know, but we didn't have box of crackers and chips and pretzels and all that kind of stuff. My wife was a little bit more accustomed to that growing up in Rhode Island. So our kids now have, I mean, you'd think it's at Minimart. So when we came time to eat, 
you ate hungry. And when you right. ate hungry, you ate what was on the table. You know, you learned to eat. And I think the reason I have mm. such, as a kid and even now as an adult, but I had such a big palate was because I really had to, you know, you went to the table hungry. And I yes. said to people all the time, like, what can I make that my kids will like? Okay, well, how about you quit feeding them snacks from one o'clock to 5.30 or when dinner is, and you put them at a dinner table and they're hungry? Oh, They yeah. will eat. They will eat. That's eat. so true. My mom was like that. We didn't have snacks. We didn't have Coke. We didn't have anything sweet. And by golly, when she made dinner, you were starving. If you didn't like that vegetable, sop it up into that sauce or whatever, you know. So anyhow, when I was nine years old, my parents were eating sushi. Whatever that is, I'll eat it. I'm hungry. And I, we, of course, we weren't starved. You can tell I have not missed a meal. But um, Me neither. Me neither. So I love to make my family hungry. We talk about food all the time. We're That's hungry. why I think you're Southern. You know, I think really you are Southern. You know why? My mom grew up in Georgia and in North Carolina. So uh, I'm probably the only guy that you know in Northern California that eats grits. And ham steak and red-eye gravy. We are grit junkies around here. And no, I mean, I'm listen, between you and me, I do have instant grits in the cupboard. Well, I will eat the instant grits in a pinch because you can doctor them up. That's what I'm saying. Because sometimes, and this happens, when you get the stone ground grits that don't go through all the massive processing that the instant grits go through, sometimes you get a bug, you know? A bug? You never got a bug in your grits. (laughs) No. You never got a bug in your grits. I never got a bug in my grits. So there are sometimes bugs in your grits. If your grits sit up here for three months, you don't oh. get a little bug that will hatch in the grits because they haven't been over-processed. The Insta grits have been. So we leave them there in the pinch that if you open the bag and you got a bug in your grits, and don't get me wrong, I have cooked the bug in the grits before. But if there is too many bugs in the grits and the grits are gray now, the family won't go. You can't pass that off. Oh, those are out. It's a fleck of pepper if there's one, two, six bugs in the grits, but no otherwise. So I got to have the backup box of the instant grits. But even my 14-year-old rider will look at it and go, something wrong with the grits. Got to have the toothsomeness. Got to have that creaminess, but with a little of the bite. It's got to, you know. I couldn't agree more. That toothsomeness is where it's all about. Not just mush. That's what a lot of people like. I don't want to eat mush. I'm like, they're not mushy if you eat the right kind. When you make grits at home, do you add cream? Do you add cheese? What do you do? Tell me a little bit about your grits, because this is a podcast about cooking. Goodbye. I'm not talking to you if you're going to talk about putting cheese and cream in your grits. Okay, just asking. Just kidding. Just uh, butter no, then. I'm a purist. I'm a purist about my grits. Okay. A little bit of salt, stir them, make sure they get nice and creamy. You got to stir them. You got to work them. Got to break them down a little bit if you're really going to get that creaminess about them. Grits, salt, ham steak, bone-in, cast iron pan, cook the steak, deglaze with black coffee. Red-eye gravy, y'all. If you don't know what that red is, eye gravy. red-eye gravy. That's it. Don't mess with it. I was going to need to say, I need to send you some biscuits to go with that because I'll make a killer biscuit. I'll send you some. I imagine anything you make is going to be tasty and I'll be more than happy to receive those. Here's my address. It's 12. Flavortown, USA. When I eat grits and my wife doesn't cook anything for me, she only makes a couple things. But one thing she knows how to make is the way I like my grits. And on a Sunday morning, especially during football season, I'll be on the couch and she'll make the grits and she brings them in a bowl so I can sit them on my fat belly. So I can sit like this and eat my grits and I'll eat some grits with some, and I chop my ham up small and I put my gravy, my red eye gravy in there. Oh. And when I get a little tired, I reach over and I set it down 
And then I wake up, I reach over, and the bowl, you know, ceramic, you know, it's porcelain, so it's still warm. Bring it over. It's still warm. Stir it a little bit. Eat some more. Oh, heaven! It is. My mouth is watering talking about it. You know, mine is too. I and I've got grits in there. I don't have any ham though. I'm gonna have to run down the road to the guy's got the ham. We'll have more with Guy Fieri after the break. Welcome back to Homemade. I'm Marty Duncan, and I'm talking today with Guy Fieri. Guy, tell me a little bit about what's coming up next for you. You just did the Tournament of Champions. I loved it. I love that. What was that machine? The Randomizer. Uh, yeah, I love that randomizer, man. Again, evil, 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 but so five fun. Minutes, five minutes before we started that show, I'm like, hey, we don't have a name for this big torture machine. What are we going to call it? I said, it's so random. It's the, the randomizer. That's what we'll call it. And he was like, hell, let's do it. Randomizer sounds good. But the randomizer is a bad thing. And just sort of, I don't put that stuff on there. I'm just the one that spins it. You like those whammies. I'd you say gotta... we should put things, nice things up there, like gravy and biscuits and stuff and like that. Two-hour yeah. cook times. Two-hour is exactly what I normally say and stuff like that. And everybody else says, you know, let's put lava on there. Lava and dirt, you know, yeah. like that. And that's not what I'm saying to do. I, of course, you know, I wouldn't do that to anybody. The, no, never. Waffle iron. I thought Alex Gornishelli was going to have a stroke after, over the waffle I was iron. scared me she wasn't going to call me at Christmas. <laughs> I still don't know if she's going to. It, that was some tough times. But you know what? Great show. And uh, Guy, you have so much energy. You are absolutely like the, I don't know how Lori does it, but I imagine you don't sit still much. I mean, maybe when you get your big bowl of grits, but outside of that, I don't guess you sit down very I think that's what she does. I think she tranquilizes me with those grits. She's like, here, honey, here's some grits with some tranquilizer. Maybe now you'll sit down for a second. Yeah, I'm not a good, uh, I'm, I'm not, this This quarantine has made me, you know, I've got like 80 projects going on right now. We're building a bridge. Uh, we're logging. We're cleaning brush. We're fighting the peacocks. Peacocks are taking over the patio. So we've got the peacock motion water-activated sprinklers trying to keep them from... I don't know if you've ever seen peacocks. Oh, yes, I have. It's like Labradors with wings. I mean, landmines. And they get on everything. Like if you have... They're the most invasive, but they're awesome and they're beautiful. But I got some pretty strict marching orders from Loretta. When she left the ranch this week, she said, you get those peacocks in line. Those peacocks need to go away. I'm like, Wow. Everybody I know that ever had them got that order at some point in time. Hey, but I hear you got some goats too. Oh, I have more goats than I've got brain cells. We have 400 plus goats and the goats just kitted. So uh, we've got goats and baby goats and 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 we have 500 plus acres up here at the ranch. So the goats have a full-time job just keeping brush down and keeping poison oak down. I was about to say, I I could borrow some because I got a poison ivy infestation. You send me some down here to Alabama. I'll send you ask What kind of ranch you got? I said, I'm a poison oak rancher. You know, <laughs> poison I ivy got, rancher. I got it in any shape or form you want it. And if you want to catch it, we'll let you catch it for free here. Yeah. Um, guy, I, I'm going to get back to cooking for a second. I remember you telling me that your mom was a really good cook, even though she would, she was kind of a very organic cook before it was popular. Did you get your fire for cooking from her? I know you had your first little business and you made your beef jerky and everything, but did that come from your mom or? Everything, you made beef jerky and everything. Oh, that boy's gone. Both my parents are really good cooks. My dad, I think, is a better cook than my mom. And my dad was the one that was always the most adventurous with it. We never had 
not do holiday meals the same. Never. I remember one time he cooked the lamb leg with the hoof on. No. Oh, yeah. That's my dad. My dad went to a a chili cook-off contest at the fair one time. And everybody was there to do their chili cook-off. And my dad and his buddy rode their horses to the fairgrounds, all in their pack gear, you know, because they would do packing in the mountains. And they got there, they tied their horse up in the park where everybody's doing the chili cook-off. And they built a big fire right in the middle of the lawn. Everybody was using, like, camp stoves and stuff. They're drinking beer. They throw a hubcap in the fire. And he takes out a side of bear meat. A hubcap. A hubcap. Yeah. Take this side of bear meat out and hang it from the tree. And they start cutting the bear meat off the tree and throw it onto the hubcap, throw a tortilla on top of it. This is all in the middle of the fair in our county, the Humboldt County Fair. The judges come running over. What are you? Where are you? What are you doing? You cannot start. The chili competition has not started yet. You could not be cooking. My dad looks at the judge and says, we ain't making no chili. We're making breakfast. You want a bear? You want a bear burrito? <laughs> the judge just about passed. <laughs> so they made their drink their beer and made their burrito and put it in the tortilla and moved the cap out, cut all the rest of the bear meat up and made bear meat chili. And got disqualified for several reasons, but the crowd went crazy. Everybody wanted to come and try the bear meat chili. Guy, this explains so much to me now about you. You come from crazy parents, you know, hippies, not dope smoking hippies, but hippies. You get those kind of people and you, you'll learn. So is that where you got your love of music from your parents too? Because I know, like me, you're a music fiend. You're a music they're guy. Not, they're not as much. I mean, my mom really likes music. My mom's a great dancer. Not that kind of dancer. <laughs> but my mom's a great dancer and loves music, loves Cajun, Zydeco, loves... Oh, me too. Loves I it do all, too. Loves country, the whole thing. So I, but I'm eclectic. I love all kinds of music. Anybody that really loves what they're doing, be it food, be it sports, be it art, be it music, whatever it is. I'm usually a fan. I just love to see people, uh, you know, doing great at what they do. Hey, speaking of that, I know you and Sammy Hagar have a tequila company. You're even wearing the shirt. Shameless plug for Santo Tequila. Yeah, I like to hear about it. What made y'all do that? So Santo, the saint, the saint of tequila, uh, Sammy, you know, had the great tequila Cabo Wabo. Uh, I remember that, years, yeah. Sold it for $100 million. And Does Sammy uh, need a girlfriend or a wife? <laughs> He's got one and she's a tough cookie. Just but kidding. A great she helps him. She helps him quite a bit. She kidding. keeps Sammy in line. Sammy, Sammy's a handful. But uh, So Sammy sold uh, Cabo Wabo, and I was a huge Cabo Wabo fan, sold it in my restaurants. And he was telling me about selling it. And I said, hey, if you ever do tequila again, I want in. Okay. About five or six years went by and Sammy started Sammy's Beach Bar Rum. And I called him and said, hey, Sam. I said, what's up, Red Rocker? Where's the, you made this Beach Bar Rum. I thought we we're going to be partners. He goes, you said tequila. I did say tequila. I did say tequila. I said, okay, well, call me when tequila happens. He said, all right. So about a year and a half ago, he called me one day. He says, God bones. That's what he calls me. God bones. He says, you in? I said, what? He goes, are you in? I said, Sammy, what? He said, are you in? I said, yes, I'm in. He goes, good, we're in the tequila business. Oh, how awesome. So we started out with mezquila, which is mezcal yeah. tequila mixed. And then now we just started our first, this last year we had our Blanco out. And our Blanco is, I mean, it's phenomenal. It's one of the best tequilas I've ever tried in my life. And I'm not saying because it's me. We really got great people. Sammy kept all of his contacts. 
And he knows so much about tequila and he's just blowing it up. We got the band together, no pun intended, and uh, we're getting ready to come out with our Añejo and our Reposado here in probably the third quarter after the summer. This pandemic has caused a little bit of a delay, but yeah, we're making it happen, sister. Do you remember when I first met you outside that hotel in Atlanta and you said, what's your name anyway? And I said, Marty. He said, wait a minute, Marty. And you know, parties, did you change your name? And you actually made me show you my ID because you didn't believe me. But um, you know what's huge with parties right now are tequila bars, like tequila tasting. You know, people, I, I, listen, I got to be honest with you. When I was in college, I always thought I was allergic to tequila. I think everybody did. Oh, seriously. Every time I drank tequila, I broke out in handcuffs. And- <laughs> I think everybody did. Everybody did. You ain't heard that one, have you? No, I haven't. I haven't. That's funny. I just did a, a big party for a 50th birthday last year down in Fairhope. And we did a big tequila bar, really fancy tequila bar, where we did these beautiful four, three, four hundred dollar bottles of different kinds of tequila. And it was the hit of the party. They had all kinds of things going on at this thing. The well, tequila- you can have the price Santo. I'm telling you, sister, I'll put it up against anybody. It's just fantastic. And we're doing it the right way. You know, we're not pushing it super hard. We're not selling out. It's Sammy and I are the owners, and we're just making great tequila. And we just got mentioned in the Rob Report of tequilas, which is a big step. Um, We're in almost every state in the country now. So uh, we're on our way, and we're just going to continue to make awesome tequila. That's the whole goal is awesome tequila. Do you still make the mezcal? Make the mezquila. The mezcal for a lot of people is like drinking a smoky ashtray. You know, it's just really tough. But uh, the nice thing about ours is the, the mezquila, as we call it, is half mezcal and half the silver tequila, or the Blanco. And it's got a little smokiness to it. It's got a little earthiness to it and just a clean finish. And I'm telling you, girl, you're going to rock your house with this one. And yeah, a tequila bar is a nice way to pass the time or forget the time. I don't shoot my tequila. I don't put it on ice. I don't Sip drink it. lime. I don't drink it with salt. I just enjoy it. And a matter of fact, I have a bottle of tequila that was just sent to me for our Añejo and our Reposado. And this is the weekend. You're, you're kicking off my weekend here in a second, sister. And it'll be time to taste. So, Guy, one other question for our homemade cooks, because, you know, All Recipes is the, one of the largest food communities of cooks on the web. I mean, I think 60 million or something like that. What advice do you have for all the beginner cooks that are finding recipes to try on the Internet? The first time... You rode a bike. Did you just go 20 miles? Is that what you did the first time? The first time you went roller skating, did you just... The first time you drew a picture of a bunny, the first time that you got in the pool and went swimming, all the times when we first time, second time, third time, we do something, it's not like instant success. And granted, you watch me and Marty and different chefs do something, you're like, how hard can it be? Yeah, it's easy. You know, how hard could it be? And then you go ahead and do it. And you're like, wait a second. It's like me playing hockey. Ice skating looks really cool, calm, and collected. Hold the stick. Hit the thing. Like, that's so difficult. You go to swing that. You get off balance and you fall on your ass in the ice, you know. So it, it, cooking is a lot. I think cooking more than anything is timing. Timing is the key. When do you flip? When do you stir? How much time do you let that pan get hot? All these kind of factors of timing. So please don't be so hard on yourself. Realize that not the first time that any great musician picked up a guitar and started to play a song, did it go to an album? 
Okay. Right. So cooking is timing, training, development, growth. I mean, there's just so many facets to it. But don't be so hard on yourself. People are like so devastated. I suck it. Listen, Marty will tell you, I'll tell you that time and persistence, get back after it, try it again. And here's another, this is one of my favorite tips. If you're going to make dinner for the family, don't make Bobby Flay's new recipe, Guy Fieri's new recipe, Rachel's recipe, and Marty Party's recipe. That's like trying to learn four new songs for your opening concert. Make a starch that you know, make a vegetable that you're consistent with, and go and get adventurous with your protein or vice versa. Right. But don't make everything new because you're going to inevitably burn something, screw something up, and then you're going to get off kilter. So my best recommendation is do yourself a favor and make sure that you have a little bit of experience in some of the things you're doing and then take one leap of faith. Do you know, I always tell people, listen, everybody loves it when other people cook for them. So just make one thing, you know, and then get the rest. You don't really have to go crazy and make four recipes like you said. I think that's the great advice here. Guy, you're so busy raising awareness and money for restaurant workers. What's going on with your own restaurants? You know, I don't know. I, we're, we just closed 80 restaurants, you know, so we're, you know, we're in the same situation everybody else is. And you know, having restaurants closed and team members without jobs. Right. And that. So we're just looking forward to getting this over with and getting back to doing what we do good or do great. Um, and, uh, and, and a big thank you, by the way, to all of our team, all of our restaurants you know, worldwide, because so many great people working so hard to deliver the food and the style and the energy that we do. And I just feel terrible that this is what we're all uh, faced with. But we're going to get this solved and we're going to we're going to solve it together and we're going to move on to bigger and better and uh, learn a lot of lessons from this. But in the meantime, everybody stay safe and stay secure and help one another and help your neighbor and order out and get delivery, buy gift certificates for advanced dining experiences and, and, uh, and wish the best because our restaurant industry is being hit hard. People have no idea exactly how hard because most of these restaurants were not set up for any long-term savings or anything like that, maybe a week or two, and that'd be about it for the majority of them. So if you love places you've gone your whole life, do what Guy said, support them, get out, do whatever you can do to help them. And if there is a way, uh, one more time, Guy, the restaurant. R-E-R-F.us, Restaurant Employee Relief Fund.us. And the folks at the National Restaurant Association Educational Foundation are standing by to take contributions. And we're also processing 24-7, processing the applications to get these $500 grants out. And I got to tell you something, the messages that come in with the checks, the donations, and the emails that come back from the people that receive them are enough to just make you cry. I mean, it's just unbelievable. But, uh, you know, we're in a very difficult time as a country and we're rallying together as a country to support one another. And, you know, we've raised $16 million so far. My goal is $100 million, So I'm I don't think anybody but you could have done that, Guy. I don't think anybody but you could have done that. It's a collective effort of a lot of people. I just happen to be beating the loudest drum right now. Guy, I mean, Food Network started Unlimited. What you've managed to accomplish from that one little television show has just been absolutely remarkable. And now you're not just a big superstar. You're changing lives. I can't even say thank you enough. We always close the show with this one, and I think I know the answer. What's your pleasure, to cook or to eat? Oh, to cook. I'm here at the ranch right now. I cook Thanksgiving here for 60-some people every year. And I sit down and we all stand up and give our thanks. And my wife, it drives her nuts. I won't eat. 
And she's like, why? And I said, because I just tasted that gravy for the 50th time. I've had I know. I rarely eat what I cook because for that same reason, I've eaten it 50 times while I made it. I've had stuffing until my head's going to fall off. Oh, you just gave it up. You're not Southern after all. What? You said stuffing. We say dressing. If you're really Southern, you'd have said dressing. We don't eat stuffing. What do you do to your potatoes? We mash them. No, you stuff potatoes? That's what I was talking about. No. I was talking about stuffed potatoes. <laughs> okay. You get a little redneck out of me. There's, there's some Southern, but cooking for folks and making me, it's just why you do so well, Marty. And, and I'm so happy for your show. And I'm really glad that you're sharing all this with people. And props to the All Recipe team because uh, you got lightning in a bottle right there. This girl could talk about it. She can walk the talk. She can throw the party. I so appreciate you being here. You're my hero, and I think you know that, but you're just on a giant piece of my heart. Thank Keep you. Keep doing it, sister. Keep doing it, and uh, congratulations, and let me know when we're getting back together after the after this hot mess gets done, and thank you, girl. Thank you. Hey, what a party. Yeah, what a party. That was my friend and mentor, Chef Guy Fieri. You can learn more about his fundraising effort to help restaurant workers affected by COVID-19 at rerf.us. That's rerf.us. Coming up on the next episode of Homemade, I sit down with the Spice Queen herself, Artie Sequera. These days, we're so used to being able to do something instantly. Where it's order food instantly. You want a book? Order it on Amazon instantly. You know, we're coming up with drones so they can drop the book on your face, like right then. So, <laughs> but the thing about cooking is it forces you to slow down. It forces you to practice because there's something about cooking that is untouchable and unexplainable that only comes from doing it over and over and over again until you and that dish kind of have a relationship and are having a conversation with each other. You don't want to miss it. Subscribe to the podcast right now. And don't forget, you can find thousands of recipes, meal ideas, and cooking how-tos from the world's largest community of cooks at allrecipes.com. This podcast was recorded in Birmingham, edited in Atlanta, and can be found wherever you get your podcasts. If you like what you hear, please consider leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts or telling your friends about the program. You can find us online at allrecipes.com, as well as on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Homemade is produced by All Recipes with executive editor Jason Burnett. Thank you to our Pod People production team, Rachel King, Eliza Lambert, Tanya Ott, and Maya Croft. Thanks for listening. I'm Marty Duncan, and this is Homemade.